I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Way back before Pentecost and before I started teaching on the Holy Spirit, I had a little mini group of messages uh, called, What Are You? And uh, let's see if I can go back and see. They were, you know, what are you thinking? And I talked about your thoughts and how that's affected. Uh, And there was two messages called, what are you saying? Uh, What are you saying? And talking about the confession that you have. And um, I I didn't feel like I was finished there because there's a lot of things that we should be doing and we should be analyzing, you know, what are we doing? So today, uh, I'll tell you the question I'm going to ask, what are you? And I'm going to tell you the question in just a minute. But let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he's instructing them, of course, on, on several things, as he, as he always, did, always does. And he's helping them understand um, by using a natural term, by nat- a natural story, a natural analysis, much like I would do when I use an analogy or an allegory or whatever. And, and he's using um, uh, working out or, or athletics. And he was using that because they understood it. You know, I, I don't use, um, I'm, of course, I'm not from Europe or Africa or another country, but I, even if I were, I wouldn't use those types of analogies here because we're Americans. Amen? And I know we have a few different nationalities and stuff represented here, but I use what's appropriate for you, amen, of what, what makes sense to me as an American and what makes sense to you. And, uh, and so when I use an analogy or a story like that, it's for a reason, for a purpose. I want you to try to understand what Paul's saying to them. We're going to start um, in verse 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. The, the title of this section in my Bible, I have the New King James, it says striving for a crown. Now you won't see that on the screens and depending on your Bible, you might not see that. But I wrote in my margin, what crown are you striving for? Let's see what he says. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But one, everybody say one. <clears throat> but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we do it for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Everybody just go ahead and just proclaim this right now. Say, I'm going to run. With certainty. He says, I run not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. I was saying on Wednesday, I was in this scripture Wednesday, and and, uh, I was talking about how, you know, when a boxer, you can tell when a a, a boxer is is kind of uh, defeated. And when they're, 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 uh, um, they can tell they're losing the match because they start just kind of swinging at the air. They start just kind of swinging around and just doing empty swings and they're tired and they're disoriented. But you can also tell the one who's in the match and the one who's, who's, who's in it to win it, right? The one who doesn't have as much blood on his face and all that. You can tell because he, he hits those punches right at the right spot at the right time. You see what I'm saying? And so Paul's using this analogy, whether you like boxing or not, he knew that they would understand what he meant. That I, I'm, I'm running my race with certainty 
Because I can't just go through life swinging and everything be a swing and a miss. If you, uh, if anybody's ever watched uh, baseball or you understand baseball, you know, if, if you swing and a miss three times, you're out. Thank you. I thought somebody might know some baseball rules in here. All right. Apparently baseball is not, not for this crowd. Okay. I won't use any more baseball stories. All right. What else does he say? Look at this. One who beats the air, but I, look at verse 27. This is so critical. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So what do we have to do? We know what Paul's saying. We have to uh, uh, put our, or discipline our body, bring it under subjection to do what we need to do. Now, who does the disciplining? But I, I discipline my body. Now, the, the rules or guidelines come from God's word. The instructions of what we're to discipline to, do you see that? Do you understand? That those are outlined by our heavenly father, much like you would do with your children. No, we don't do that in this household. I've set strict rules. We, when my wife and I, and she's honestly in some areas more strict than I am. We've set some rules. We don't do that. We don't say that. We're not going down that road. You're not going to dress like that. And we're starting at five. She'll be four in a couple weeks. And two, at those young ages, we're already setting strict rules. Why? Because that's what good parents do. And who has to follow those rules? They do. I discipline my body. I bring it into subjection. Now, that's important because I want to go back to verse 24. And I'm going to read it this time from a different translation. You can put it up there on New King James. But I, I, want to, I like how it says it in this translation. Are you ready? It says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. That's what it says on the screens. But listen to this version. But only one person gets the prize. So run to win. So run to win. Run your race to win it. I want to talk to you today about the way at which you run your race. And my question I'm asking is, what are you acting like? Are you acting like you've already won the race? Are you acting like you've already lost the race? Are you going about your life defeated, downtrodden, before you even had a chance? See, we look so much at the, the temporal, the right now, and let it determine our emotions and determine our, our, our status that when we, we, we sometimes forget or lose sight of, man, I've actually already won the race. What do you mean you've already won the race? Well, the Bible tells us that greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. And in 1 John, it says that, that not to be afraid of the demons and stuff in the world because God said, I've already overcome them. So the one that's in me is not only greater than the world, but he's already defeated the world. And if I'm part of God's body, everybody say, I'm God's hands and feet. You're his hands and feet. You are a part of God's body. If he's victorious, if he's seated in high places, if he's seated in heaven, then you have to act and live like you're connected to that, 
to that source that has, has everything you need and everything. you. The Bible is so clear to us. We live in the world, not of it. And far too often we act like we live of it. Well, well the world is losing. Spoiler alert. I, I, I've told the story before, but if you have, I think there's a lot of new people here. I'm going to tell it again. It's a really good story. Um, Sarah might remember, and some of those that uh, know me, you know, before, meaning you knew my stories, uh, before I got married, I already had bought a house. And so it was kind of a bachelor pad. I had several of the the staff there in Florence live with me. And uh, it was great because they paid rent. And I paid the mortgage, which was severely discounted because they paid the rent. Amen. It was a good deal for Pastor JT. So, so I'm, uh, uh, what would happen is on Sunday uh, around February, there's a big football game. You may have heard of it, the Super Bowl. Well, we had a Sunday night service, a Sunday night prayer service. At the time, Pastor didn't do Wednesday night prayer. He did Sunday night prayer. And so we're on staff. We're, uh, all three of us that lived there were all on staff at the church. <clears throat> and we were really, in all the young adult groups, we were really the only one that had the best house to have people over. And so we're like, we'll do the Super Bowl party. And, uh, <clears throat> um, and so pastor eventually, um, uh, I think what he would do is he'd move the service earlier, like around 4.30 or something like that. And so, you know, he wasn't going to cancel church, but he would adjust it because he knew most people would still come. Well, <clears throat> by the time we got done, we're staffed. So by the time we got done cleaning up, shut everything down and got home, the game had already started. Well, thank God they had come up with um, TiVo and, and recording and all that kind of stuff, right? And so I forget what service we had, but we recorded the show that night. We recorded the Super Bowl. So by the time we got home, we were about 30 minutes behind. But we made a rule with everybody because social media wasn't quite as big as it is now. I mean, it was getting big. And so we made a rule with everybody. Do not cheat. Don't look online. And this was my own rule. But it was like, don't cheat. Don't look online. Don't spoil it for us. We're going to watch it like it's real time. So even though we're 30 minutes delayed, we're going we're gonna, to you know, celebrate in real time if our team is winning or losing or whatever, right? And so we hit play and we watch the Super Bowl in real time. Well, it was a close game. I can't remember who it was. I wish I could. Maybe I'll go back and look one time so when I tell the story, I actually remember who was, who was playing. But it was a really close game. It was back and forth, back and forth. And I'll be honest, I couldn't take it. I had to know who won. And so all of us were kind of pulling, we, were, we, we, we didn't have like a dog in the fight, you know, but you know how sometimes when your team's not in it, you end up picking a team. And so all of us, all three of us guys, we were all kind of pulling for this one team. And I remember we were pulling and they were down, they were down. And, and uh, Roger, I remember he was like, he was like, no, nah, man, I, there's, there's no way, you know, this would have to happen. This would have to happen. And, and Pastor Justin, who's now the, the, the pastor over in Georgetown, he was living with us and he was kind of being negative too. I cheated. I looked. I went to the bathroom, looked on Facebook real quick, and I saw who won. When I came out of the bathroom, I was confident. It didn't matter what it looked like that fourth quarter. It didn't matter how down they got. It didn't matter how much, how, I mean, they went four and out. They, got, they, 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 they had some bad plays. They made some bad decisions. They had some things not go their way. But I knew, I didn't know how. Do you hear me today? I did not know how they were going to come out on top, but I already had saw the results and I knew who was victorious and I knew that it did not matter what I was looking at in the moment because I knew who won. 
And man, at the end of that game, when they turned it around and they came up, they went down and scored, came back, went back and, and somehow turned the ball over, quick four and out, scored again and won the game, I already knew. I wasn't surprised. Everyone else was surprised they're celebrating and I already knew. And we need to go about our life and walk through life like we already know who's victorious. You've got to walk through, like, like I know God is for me. You, you, can't, you can't make up, see, this is what I'm trying to say, what I was talking about with the, the offering earlier. You can't wait until you're tested to then make up your mind. Well, I think God will, will, will bail me out of this one. No, that's not what God's word says. Well, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God will sometimes come through and help you out. That's not what my Bible says. Maybe you got your Bible on discount and it's misprinted. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> my, my, can I tell you what mine says? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but my God will deliver us from them all. Every affliction. So I, I'm, not, I'm not dismayed by those kinds of things. Look, look, look at this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, a few chapters later, it says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You have the victory. Yes, that's talking about eternal victory. Yes, that's talking about salvation. Yes, that's talking about life. But if you're victorious in the future, are you not victorious today? If you're victorious, I mean, I mean, are you victorious or not? And, and here's the thing that I want you to wrap your head around is that if I'm victorious, I need to look victorious. I need to sound victorious. My smile needs to be victorious. My eyes need to be victorious. I need to be looking at victorious things. I need to think victorious thoughts. I need to do victorious things. I'm not, if I'm, if I'm a champion, if I'm in, the Bible says you are more than a conqueror. So if I'm a conqueror plus some, you know how you get Disney, but then you can have Disney plus? Like if I'm conqueror plus, then I need to act conqueror plus. I need to wake up in the morning. Now here's what you have to realize, that your, your mouth ties so, it, when, whenever you live by faith, faith has corresponding actions to it. If you don't believe me, let's go back to salvation one more time. What does Romans tell us? How do you get saved? You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. Corresponding actions. You can believe in your heart all you want, but the Bible says there has to be confession. And as I taught you recently, it needs to be something you're confessing regularly. That you're, that's why you have to tell others, no, I believe in Jesus. And every time you say that, you're like, well, I'm, I'm kind of shy. I don't know if I, can, if I can tell others about Jesus. I don't know if I can... If I can do that, if I can really go and, 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 you know, and I don't know, I just get nervous when I start talking about, just do it once and you get more confident. Just do it once and you get a little bit more, you're, you know, I, no, I, I serve Jesus and I, you know what, um, don't, don't say, let me help you out. Don't say, well, I go to church because there's a lot of people that go to church and they get, they get associated negatively with churchgoers that are, I, I follow Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian, like a real Christian. And I don't appreciate when, when you say stuff like that. Would you mind, you, would you mind just saying, you know, like, like changing the way you talk? I, I don't appreciate hearing negativity or cussing or whatever it may be. If you do that one time and stand up for Christ, you don't have to be mean about it. But when you do it once 
and you ask God to give you the boldness to do it once, it's easier the second time and the third time. I mean, like, I have, I have no problem. When I'm out with my family, and I'm, I'm not mean about it. I'm like, hey, I'll, I'll go get to know them. Like, use this young people, right? I go, hey, how y'all doing? I'll talk to them for a little bit. And then I'll let them know, hey, listen, I've got young kids. And uh, what, what we believe in our household is that that language is offensive. Would you mind not using those kinds of words? Oh, I'm so sorry, sir. I'm so sorry. I'm, uh, my bad. My bad. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm sorry. Please apologize to your kids. What's, what's the problem? But, but I don't just say like, hey, uh, I, I would like you to not. I say what we believe in our household, we're Christians. I, I, I didn't always do that, but I do now. We're Christians. And I, I, I would like if you wouldn't, wouldn't use that. The reason I do that is because then they know what I stand for. I'm not just some righteous person who, who, who feels righteous. Like I, I have a standard I'm living for, and it's Jesus Christ. Do you understand? So what am I trying to tell you today? There's a correlation between the way you live, the actions they correspond with my faith. So if I believe I'm victorious, I need to have corresponding actions. And I believe if you start with your mouth, things follow. It works with salvation. Why wouldn't it work with, thing, with other things? So I'm going to give you some confessions. I don't think I'll be able to get through all of them because of, of time. But I'm going to give you some confessions that you should make as a victorious believer. And I'm going to give you scriptures to go with them. Amen? Number one, write this down. And I've written this in in personal way so that you can, it's already a confession you can make. Amen? Now, I would, if I were you, I would write these down and I would not just let this fall on some piece of paper that you find in your Bible three years from now. Have you ever done that? And you find it, and then when you find it, it's always like, oh man, I needed that. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, where was this two years ago when grandma passed away and I needed this Keep this stuff in your heart, and you'll keep it in your heart if you confess it regularly. Number one, I act like I've won because I have. I act like I've won because I have. Because I am victorious. Because I am more than a conqueror. You can insert whatever you want there. Because I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I act like I've won because I have. Because I am God's child. You don't have to go and tell my children. Well, you can't tell them. Well, you're not a Clark. Even Josh knows he's a Clark. He's Joshua David Clark. Kaylee, she's Kaylee Vanessa Clark. And she knows. She's proud of it. No, I'm a Clark. And we've got little statements in our house. And she'll quote them. Kaylee, she's smart as a whip, man. And she'll quote them. Like somebody will do wrong or whatever. And she'll look at me and she'll go, when everyone else does wrong, we do right. That's in her. That's in her. My wife's done a good job putting it in her. I've put it in her, right? So that when, when she's seven, eight, nine, she's five now, but I know what's going to happen. I, I know that, that kids are getting tried uh, about, you know, th- they used to be interested in having, having sex when they were like 16, 17 and all that. Now it's like 10 and 12. I'm not dumb. I'm not waiting until they're 10 and 12 to start telling them, no, we believe in Jesus. We love God. Let me give you another one. We love going to church. If you're ever here early, you'll see when my kids come in, because I get here before them, and my wife comes in, she'll start setting up all the kids' stuff, and uh, my kids, they always run and find me. They run and hug me, and I'll say something like this. It's not the same thing every time, but don't you love church? Isn't church great? Isn't it great? We get, I told Madison this morning, I said, you seem real happy. Are you ready to praise and worship God? 
Aren't you excited you get to come and praise and worship God with your friends? And she didn't say much back to me this morning, but that's getting in her. I'm not waiting until they're like, I don't feel like going to church today. And I'm a 12-year-old with an attitude. I, I, I'm glad I'm not at the 12-year-old with an attitude stage yet. I'm, I'm glad I'm not there, by the way. But I'm not waiting. I'm starting now. I act like I've won because I have. You have the option to act defeated or act victorious. Your strength comes from the Lord. Mercy and grace comes from your heavenly father. But you have to walk it out by faith. You have to have a corresponding action. Put a smile on your face. I'm not saying you deny what's happening around you, but you say, no, uh the Psalms tells me I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, nowhere does it say you have to walk through it and act like, you know, uh, you're the, I mean, your entire life has fallen apart. Maybe it has, but God has promised you he'll put it back together better than it was before. So stop acting like this is the end. Until you you leave this earth, it's not the end. And and that's why I'm telling you about the Super Bowl game. When, When we were sitting there and we were watching that, it looked like the end. It looked like it was over, but I knew it wasn't over. And you've got to have that mentality today. It's not over until it's over. And the worst thing that can happen to me is I leave this earth and I go to heaven and spend eternity with my father and and, and his son, Jesus. The worst thing that can happen. But until that happens, I'm living a victorious life. Things are going to come. I know they will. Things are going to happen. But they're going to fall off of me so fast. I'm going to step over them so fast. Have you ever seen those people that run hurdles while I'm using sports analogy out of, I'm, I'm using every sports analogy I can today. I've never used hurdlers ever in all the sermons I've preached. But have you ever seen a hurdler? Man, it looks like that. I mean, I'm talking about a real hurdler. Like the ones that are running at full sprint and they, they glide over that hurdle. It looks like, and even the camera angles they use, it almost looks like the hurdle's not there. It looks, I mean, I mean, I mean, like, how do they jump like that? Does anybody know? I mean, is anybody a hurdler in here? Maybe you could teach me. I have no idea. But it looks effortless. As fast as the devil can put something in your way, I'm going to tell you today, if you put these principles into action and you live by faith, you'll jump right over that thing. Well, what was that? What was that? What was that? See, when you get a fire and you start running, you start doing things, start saying, you know what? I'm going to live for God. I'm going to put a smile on my face. I'm going to be happy while I serve God. You know, you have to determine that. You have, you have to actually determine that. Like you have to determine, I mean, you have to say, you know what? I, I mean, because things have been going good in my life and they still have not been what I wanted and allowed the small things that I didn't want to, to downplay all the things that were going right. And I would allow them to dictate, I mean, I mean, and get kind of, you know, almost borderline depressed, like, well, you know, I mean, everything would just be better if we had this or everything would be better if we had that. When I've got amazing kids, a wonderful wife, I've got a great church that's growing and doing things. I mean, I mean, just because, you know, 
uh, I, I want 100 every Sunday, and we're getting closer and closer every week, by the way. But you know what I mean? Like, oh, well, we didn't hit 100 today. I'm going to be depressed. No, thank God that I got to preach today in a free country. Thank God that I got to get up, and my whole family was at church. Thank God that there were, you know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful that as I look around this room, it looks like Columbia. I'm talking about culturally. Hispanics, white, African-American. Man, the other day, or yesterday, when we were at the car wash, and I don't do this often because I'm not not really see color, but it was like the Lord was showing me. I literally, I stood at the corner, and I was looking around at who was at our car wash, who was at Brewster's Ice Cream, and who was driving around. And it looked like what was represented at the car wash and what was represented at our church today. Not many churches have that. Man, I'm grateful for that. Man, I wouldn't, I, I mean, I'm just telling you, this is a good church. This is a good church. Family Worship Center Florence, great church. Family Worship Center Sumter, just started, going to be a great church. Georgetown, great church. I'm grateful that I'm connected to all this. I'm grateful that, and so I'm going to be, you know, let one little thing, one little negativity. No, what does the Bible say? Cast all of your cares on the one who can do something about it. Stop being a reeling Christian and be a casting Christian. If you ever take a fishing line and you take it, you have to, anybody ever fish? You take the button and you cast it. Now make sure when you do that, you let go of the button. If you're fishing, you know. I see some smiles. Somebody got it. Okay. All right. But when you let go of the button and the little lure on the end of the fishing line, it goes out. And that was a pretty good sound effect. You fish, right, Brandon? Don't you fish? All right. And when you take that line and you cast it out, right? Now, if you're fishing, at some point, you have to reel it in because that's the point of fishing. But what I want to tell you today is that when you take your cares, the Bible doesn't say cast your cares on the Lord and bring them back in so you can have a little pity party. And bring them back in so you can feel bad for yourself. Bring them back in so you can get sympathy from others. Bring them back in because no, no, no. It says cast your cares on the Lord and he'll take care of them. Is he going to take care of them or not? What are you trusting in? Let's go back to Psalms. What are you trusting in? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. I just switched from Psalms to quoting Proverbs, but it's the same principle. Trust in the Lord in all your ways. Acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. So wait, how do I act victorious? Act like you're on the winning team. I've been been on the losing team. And it's hard to stay positive on the losing team. It's really hard to stay positive. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I remember when we played... um, uh, you know, like church softball and stuff. Man, when we first started, we were terrible. Terrible. I mean, really, really bad. Like there, like, there was no, like, prophesying greatness into that team. We needed a new team. You know what I mean? It was bad. Uh, I'm just joking. But uh, I remember, man, I mean, it, it was hard to keep those guys positive and to think positive and all that. Because first inning, you're down 10 nothing. It's hard to come back from that. Yeah. <laughs> If y'all couldn't hear him online, he said, oh, wow, you know, but that's how it was. But when you're on the winning team, because see, what happens is once we got good, even if you got down 10, nothing, 
What are you doing in the dugout? Come on, guys, we got this. Come on, pick your head up, man. That's all right. You made a mistake. It's all right. Hey, you let that ball pass you? Don't worry about it. I know. I know you're good enough. We've won games before. We'll win this one. We'll come back. I don't know if you've ever played sports, but that's what's happening in the dugout on a winning team because the team knows we're better than this. We're be- hey, guys, we're better than this. It's all right. Hold your head up, man. And if somebody comes in from the dugout and they struck out and everybody's patting them on the back, come on, man. It's all right. Keep your head up. Keep your head up. Why are we telling that person to keep their head up? Because if they go back out to play defense, still thinking about the strikeout, you miss the ball. You miss the defensive mechanism because you're still thinking about the strikeout. And what the devil wants you to do is focus on your mistakes, focus on the high gas prices, focus on the world, focus on the divides, focus on the issues, focus on the problems. And he wants all of your focus on these little things he's created when God says, I have it all in my hand. I've got you. I've got you taken care of. I'm only at at number one. Joshua chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. I love this. Man, so much good stuff in this. I can't wait till part 2. Amen. All right. Joshua 1, chapter uh, chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. This book of the law shall not depart from... Where is the book of the law supposed to be? In your mouth. Well, pastor, that's because in those days, that's how they transferred it. They quoted the word and they passed it down from generation to generation. You go ahead and believe that and discount how important it is. Because the Bible tells me life and death are in the power of your tongue. And if you go around quoting, well, I just don't know how I'm going to make it. That's a defeated lifestyle. That's a defeated mindset. That's a losing mindset. You don't go around and and nowhere, nowhere is that statement in the Bible. Unless it was Job's friends who didn't know what they were talking about quoting him or or talking to him. I don't quote Job's friends. You know, Job's friends and most of the verses you hear that talk about all these problems and how God's bringing all these problems to Job. At the end of the book of Job, God rebuked the friends. Literally told them, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, pastor, I don't know. I mean, you know, I mean, they they said that, that, uh, you know, all this stuff happens, you know, for a reason. They didn't know. They literally were just trying to help Job. Like 18 chapters or something like that of the book of Job are the friends trying to figure out what happened and why it happened. And then Elihu came in. I don't know where this came from. I'm in Joshua and started talking about Job. But listen to me. Elihu came in and straightened all that out. God spoke to them and said, I'll not only make, make everything right, but he made Job better than he was before. Don't glorify your problems. Don't glorify what the devil did all that stuff to Job. And whatever situation you're in is not worthy of glorification. Unless, unless it's a blessing. Unless it's a testimony. All right, let me keep going. Number, oh wait, I didn't finish the, the book. Look, it should be in your mouth. And you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do it Do according, sorry, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then, look at how this is written. Please pay attention to how this is written. I've tried to structure the sermon today in a way to make it personal to you. So I want you to say it like this. Then I will make my way prosperous. 
Let's go back. If the book of the law does not depart from my mouth, then I shall meditate in it day and night, and I observe to do all according to all that is written in it, then I will make my way prosperous. See, see, too often we put it all on, well, God's just not moving. He's already moved. He moved 2,000 years ago when he sent his son to the earth to set all the records straight, to set all the doctrines straight, to set everything straight, to put everything in its rightful place, to establish God's kingdom, not an earthly kingdom, but God's kingdom, to then take on all sin, sickness, and disease, kill it on the cross, go, take it down to hell, leave it where it was supposed to stay, come back up, defeated death out in the grave, took the keys to it, rose from the grid, dead, talked to all the disciples, proved that he did it, then went to heaven and said, if I go, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, send the Holy Spirit to help you do this. I make my way prosperous because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Have I not commanded you? Oh, wait, I didn't finish it. Then you will have good success. So I will make my way prosperous then I will have good success. Prosper. Good success. Where does it, you know, where does it say in the Bible that God prospers you? Why you worry so much about money like it's all about prosperity with you? It's not all about prosperity with me. I teach the full gospel. Stick around. Don't just pick, pick out parts of my sermon or parts of my offering teaching. Listen to the whole thing. I preach the full gospel. Pastor Steve preaches the full gospel. Pastor Justin preaches the full gospel. Family Worship Center preaches the full gospel. But part of that full gospel is you will make your way prosperous and have good success. See, that's what I'm telling you. You got to walk around and say, no, good success is coming my way. Don't, Don't worry about, well, Susie got success and I didn't. Don't worry about Susie. You're not running Susie's race. You're running yours. And as good success is coming my way. Good, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to keep holding my head up high. I'm going to get up every morning and put a smile on my face. I'm going to keep going to this job that I don't like because God says that he's going to make my way prosperous and that everything I do, I do it as unto the Lord. So I'm going to go to this job I don't like with the boss I don't like and I'm not going to have a bad attitude and a bad mouth and a bad demeanor. I'm going to go in and I'm going to be the best employee I can be. Now, that sounds different than the whole world would teach you. But when you do that, you, you're, what did Psalms say? I'm going to follow the ways of the Lord. And he'll make my way successful. He'll make my way prosperous. All right. Number, uh, oh, I, still, I can't even finish this. Go to verse 9 so I can move on to point 2. Have I not commanded you? Look what he told Joshua. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God goes with you wherever you go. What a command. Have I not? He like questioned them for a minute. Have I not commanded you? Did you forget what I told you, bro? Were you asleep in class the other day? Because I told you, have I not commanded you? Be courageous. I am courageous. I am courageous. I am not afraid. 
I'm not afraid to pay, make big steps for the Lord. I'm not afraid to invite someone to church. I'm not afraid to tell someone about Jesus. I am not afraid to serve God. I'm not afraid of what's happening in the world. I'm not afraid of what the devil may try. I'm not afraid of what's going around. I'm not afraid of COVID. I'm not afraid of any other disease. I'm not afraid of influenza. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of political divides. I'm not afraid of any other divide. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of the problems that they, they're trying to create at work. I'm not afraid of what the devil's trying to do because he's under my feet and he can, he can try all he wants. Pastor, what are you doing right now? I'm talking to y'all the way I talk to me. I talk, y'all call me crazy if you want. I really don't care. I talk to myself like that. When I get in a, in a funk, I get myself out of the funk. You know how? With my mouth. I look in the mirror or I drive down the road and say, nope, we're not going there. Mm-mm. No, I got stuff to do. I'm not going there. I'm not, I'm not thinking those thoughts. I'm not. Paul instructed the, the Philippian church, do not think on those things. What things? Anything negative. He gave them a list of things. Think on these things. Things that are of good report. Things that are of value. Things that are of blessing. Think on those things. Well, how do you get rid of your thoughts? When you start talking, it, it, it lines up. So I don't want to just talk about your mouth today. I want to talk about how you're acting. But your mouth starts it. All right. It's 12 o'clock. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you another one. I'm going to give you another one and two more scriptures and we're going to be done. You ready? I had, I had at least five, but we're going to go with two and we'll do the rest later. I don't let the world waver me. I will not allow the world to waver me. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be immovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. What you're doing for God is not in vain. So be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding. Look at John chapter 16. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Everybody say, I'm going to have peace. I'm going to have peace. I'm going to have peace in my home. I'm going to have peace in my family. I'm going to have peace. The Bible says I can have it. I'm going to have it. I'm not going to live in anti-peace. I'm going to have peace. Peace is mine. Peace belongs to me. Joy belongs to me. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And when I got saved, the Holy Spirit came in and lives inside of me. And out of that should be a fruit or a work or an overflow, one of which is joy. You can listen to me. You can choose to accept that and walk in it or reject it. Many of you, the the Holy Spirit's trying to provide joy in your life. And you're focusing on the things that are stealing it away. These things I've spoken to you. That in Jesus, you may have peace. Jesus instructed them so that in him, you can have peace. In the world... What does he say? You will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Put a smile on your face. Hold your head up high. Put your shoulders back. Get a little strut in your step. Get out of your car like you just got out of an Aston Martin. I know it's a Chevy Malibu with three wheels and the one that came off the, off the back on the bottom. What is it called? The spare tire? I know, but get out of it like it's a, a Maserati. Pretend like the door slid up. 
I know it almost fell off when you opened it and you actually got to climb through the back seat to get out the back door because your door won't open. You're climbing out the window like you're a NASCAR driver because the door's jammed. But get out of it like you own a NASCAR. That's right. That's me. This is my car. God gave me this car. And you know what? If he gave me this one, he's got a better one for me. I'm saying, you can, look, you can choose to live that way or you can, oh man, I just, you know, I hate my car and I hate this and I hate my life and my life sucks. Well, you know what? You're going to have that. You're going to have that. That's what you're going to live in. If that's your mindset, if that's your attitude, if that's your demeanor, if that's what you're walking towards, life and death are in the power of your tongue. And the world does not dictate my joy. The world does not dictate my peace. The world does not dictate my giving. The world does not dictate my choices. I choose Jesus. I choose Jesus. I'm going to give you a third one because I just feel like it. I am confident there's a way out. These are confessions. You should be saying these things. And the other ones I've added in there, like, I'm going to have peace. I'm going to have life. I'm going to have abundance. But here's another one. I am confident there's a way out. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. When you work according to God's purpose, when you answer the call, we're all called. We're all called uh, um, uh, to, to be ministers of reconciliation, the Bible says. We're all called to go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples. You're called. What's his purpose? To do those things I just mentioned. When you do it and you love God while doing it, guess what? God works all things. Well, pastor, I hear that, but you know, but see, here's the thing. If you wait for that verse to apply after your situation, then you have whatever period of time where you're dismayed by the situation. What time do you lose? How many days does it take to get to Romans 8.28? I've I've tried my best minutes. I haven't been perfect at it, but minute. I I mean, just minute. Just like one minute, couple minutes. I'm I'm an emotional guy. I'm going to have an emotional reaction, but I'm going to flip it. I'm going to flip it. As soon as the problem comes, and and I'm going to freak out for a second, and then I'm done freaking out. That's it. That was my moment to freak out. I'm living in victory. I don't know how God's going to work it out, but this is going to work out. I don't know how it's going to come around, but it's going to come around. Brother Mike saw one of my worst moments. What was it? Was it, was it Easter? What day was it? Was it Easter the day I came and I was throwing chairs? I shouldn't tell you. <laughs> Look at y'all. Y'all think, oh, I'm just all saved all the time. No. It was Easter morning. Biggest Sunday we've had in the history of the church. Biggest Sunday. This is a good principle. This will teach you. And this is a, a good man that helped me that day because he calls me, what was it, like 5 a.m. he called me? 5 a.m. he calls me. He beat me here, and he says, Pastor, they didn't clean the building. I don't know what they had the night before, but the building was in total disarray. Easter morning. It's, you talk about Super Bowl. Easter is the Super Bowl for the church. Well, I, I, I mean, I had prayed, fasted, gotten sermons ready, worked on videos. I mean, it, it's a big, it's a lot. I mean, you don't sleep much trying to get for all this stuff ready. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a big investment. And then I'm going to walk into that, two services instead of just one. It was a big investment. I mean, big thing we're doing. I was mad and I had every right to be mad. Every right to be mad. 
We came in, and yes, I may have thrown a chair or two. I was mad. Don't tell all this stuff. I was mad. But I th- I'm thankful for him. And of course, you know, he starts just preaching back to me my words that I've, you know, now, Pastor, you can't, you know, he starts, <laughs> he starts trying to encourage me. And thankfully, I calmed down. And then they sent a whole crew to come in. I had been believing God for a certain number in attendance that, for that day. And I knew, I knew, like, first of all, who goes, who goes missing on Easter? But like several people, like several families, about 20 people from our church decided to go take trips and all that stuff for Easter, which is fine, except I'm believing God for uh, over 100 people on Easter. I'm like, well, how are we going to hit that with 20 people taking vacation, you know, spring break and stuff? Then come in. The, the, the place is in total disarray, not clean, tables and chairs everywhere. Everything looked like we weren't going to hit it. Now, I want, I want y'all to realize something. What did I do that morning to cause people to come? No, everything I'd, we'd already done, prayed, fasted, prepared, put out advertisements, all those things, they were already done. God had already worked on people's hearts. God had already motivated people to come to the church And my freak out in that morning changed nothing. A hundred and nine people came to FWC Columbia on Easter Sunday. I got high blood pressure for nothing. I was, at one point, I was was trying to break with their chair. I was like, I hope hope it breaks. Get it out of this room. What good is that? What kind of attitude is that to have? What would it have ruined? Thank God I'd calmed down before they came. What would it have, have ruined the relationship with the... Hopefully they aren't watching the live stream. <laughs> Sorry. Your chairs are fine. I'll fix it if it's broken. Um, but no, I mean, I hope you don't judge me. Just listen to me. What would it have, have... It would only have hurt things. It would only have hurt things if I had continued in that. And it changed nothing. The victory had already been supplied. Those people were already coming. The, 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 the uh, um, salvation was already there. The production was already there. Everything we needed was already there. That's why, see, now when that stuff happens, I, I have a different approach because I'm confident my trust is, you know what? I don't know how, and I am mad, but I'm going to move past that mad into a victory because this is going to work out. Somehow, someway, this is going to work out. This is going to turn around. This is going to come to pass. God, God works all things for the good who love him. If, if I'm, I'm, am I called according to his purpose or not? I am. So if I am, he's working it out. And I can stay in the not working part or I can move to the working part. Amen? Stand up on your feet.